Welcome back to another episode of the Cody Tucker Show. As always, I'm your host, Cody Tucker. So, had to take a wee bit of a sabbatical. Um, I have been feeling like about 300 pounds of hammered dog shit the past couple of weeks. And am finally getting back to, um, you know, whatever my my level of health is. So... (laughs) Boy, I did not think I was going to make it. I don't know if I caught fucking leprosy or, you know, AIDS or something, but Jesus, I, that was no, no bien. So, uh, during the, you know, sick leave, (laughs) I did get a chance to do my favorite hobby, which is, um, to sit around and do absolutely nothing. So, you know, there's a silver lining and everything. Uh, During this time, I got to catch up on the greatest show in television history, which is the Learning Channel's 90 Day Fiance. Oh, my God. So, I, I mean, I've seen this show before, and I'm pretty sure I've talked about it on here before. It's the greatest. It is the greatest TV show ever made hands down oh my god so i watched like the first couple seasons and had to just stop because of like how pissed off i was getting (laughs) like i'm basically just hate watching this show um like there's something about seeing people just make super stupid decisions and then everything just falling to pieces that just frustrates the hell out of me and 90 day fiance. That's basically the gist of the show is let's show people doing the dumbest shit possible using zero logic, get scammed and then wonder, and then sit there and fucking cry about like, how could this have happened to me while everyone in your fucking circle is telling you this is a mistake. (laughs) I mean, you know, and not all of them, like there are some that actually like seem to work out, but um, for the most part, they're definitely picking people that are like, I don't know. They're, they are very good <laughs> at uh, casting the show. But my God, it is like every person on there is it's either like an older woman who, uh, you know, is getting basically scammed by some dude half her age living in like, you know, some third world country who's like, you know, I love you. I love you. I love you. And then <laughs> gets here, waits out that fucking 90 days. And on the 91st day, it's like, peace out, bitch. Like, <laughs> like I am gone. And man, it is, uh, it's wild. Like it, it happens every single time. So, you know, like these dudes are just getting thousands of dollars sent to them by these, like, you know, old ass ladies who <laughs> just, I don't know, like, 
I mean, I I guess maybe I'm just better at like seeing red flags when they appear, but there's something about these people in this show that like they are so blind to it. And then so then that's one side. Then the other side are dudes who are probably, you know, around my age who are bringing some chick over from like Eastern Europe, Russia, whatever, like Ukraine, who is a million times out of their league, like (laughs) way, way out of their league and fucking it up royally. Like sitting there thinking, oh, I don't know if I really want to go through with this. I don't I don't know if I really have feelings for you. Like, you dumb motherfucker. Like, I every time they do that, I have to like turn off the TV for a second and I'm just like shaking with anger. I'm like, you you are such an idiot. Like, I want to like just shake the shit out of these people. Like, this woman is smoking hot. And you well, one, you're, you're, I mean, you know, this is probably the nicest way I could put this. You're a fucking bitch. Like you are a complete loser and you have somehow manipulated your way into having this like basically supermodel from Eastern Europe come over here and you're acting like, like you're ruining it. And God, it is so frustrating to watch it. And what's crazy is like, you know, you think in your head, like if you haven't watched the show, you think, oh, everybody on there from the other countries is just scamming everyone, which granted for like the older ladies that they're showing, they're definitely getting scammed. The older ladies from the U.S. like this one chick, like on the eighth season, which is what I'm at right now. There's this lady on the eighth season who kind of looks like Fire Marshal Bill, and she is getting just completely ran through by an entire family from Belize. <laughs> they are funneling money from this woman. And she's like so benzoed out that she doesn't have a clue what's going on. And it, God, it's amazing. But then, but it's not just the people from other countries that are swindling. The dudes who live in the U.S. are convincing these like supermodels from Eastern Europe to come over here are fucking swindling these women without it, like pure charlatanry. These, (laughs) like they are making it seem like, oh, you're going to come here, have this amazing life in the U.S., blah, blah, blah. So in their heads, they're thinking like, oh, I'm going to Beverly Hills, Malibu, Las Vegas, whatever, like some big places, this nice life, whatever. And then they end up in the middle of bumfuck nowhere on some pig farm. (laughs) Like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, fucking Ukraine was way better than this shit. The worst one, get on the eighth season that I'm at right now. There's this woman who is so fucking hot from the Ukraine who got (laughs) convinced to come live in the worst city in the world, which is New Orleans, Louisiana. (laughs) And you can just see like. She definitely doesn't know what the fuck New Orleans is like. So she gets off that plane out of the airport and is just immediately smacked in the face by the smell of piss and crawfish and is not impressed. (laughs) Like, Like you can see all hope just like 
fucking fading from her eyes as soon as she walks out of that door. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you got, you got got. I mean, like, what are the odds that you live in the Ukraine? Like, she is 100% better off in the Ukraine than in New Orleans. I guarantee you, I would 10 times out of 10 rather live in i mean and granted she got out of the ukraine in the nick of time (laughs) like i mean it could not have worked out better for her to get out of there but i would much rather live in a damn bombed out apartment shelter uh, apartment complex than spend a day living in new orleans or all of louisiana for that matter Oh, man. And like the whole time she's just bitching about how it like it smells like peace. It smells like peace. (laughs) Sure does. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Oh, man. I mean, that place is just so fucking disgusting. And the fact that there are people and then you see the people who are there and you're like, oh, that's why they love it here. They're blackout drunk the entire time they're there. (laughs) Like I've I've gotten drunk fallen asleep in a bathtub and puked on myself. And it was some of the best sleep I've ever had. There isn't a chance in hell I could have done that sober. So what I'm saying is like, you can trick your own brain into thinking something is nice when you've had, you know, 25 Jack and Cokes. <laughs> you do. I mean, you do enough Jaeger bombs and I'll, I mean, I'll sleep in a fucking bonfire. and feel comfortable and so you know this poor woman is coming here and like having to live in fucking new orleans jesus christ i would as soon as i got that plane like send me back put me right i'll i will dodge fucking mortar shells (laughs) for the next five years before i'll live in this shithole oh my god it's it is incredible like it's you know and i've always loved like I've always loved like any kind of like trash reality TV. Like I've, I, I, I'm all my favorite shows growing up were like Laguna beach and the Hills and like all that kind of shit. And, but 90 day fiance is man. Like if you haven't watched it, stop watching this bullshit and go, go put that on. Um, I mean, just the, like how much of like just total pussies these dudes are is wild. And, you know, and I'm right there with them. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying I'm really, really all that much better. There's actually a pretty good chance that I'll, I'll probably be on that show in the next two years. <laughs> like if things keep going, how they're going this time, this time next year, I'll probably be bringing some chick over from Kiev who, uh, She's not going to know what the fuck I'm saying. I'm not going to know what she's saying. She's probably going to be plotting to, uh, you know, poison my diet, Dr. Peppers and take my money, which, you know, jokes on her. She's going to get about a fucking half pack of cigs, (laughs) half pack of cigs and a couple of, you know, a couple of bottles of water and be on her way. So, you know, but yeah, wild stuff, wild, wild stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's a pretty good way to spend your sick time. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. So let's um, well, let's stop talking about uh, 
all that because it's actually it's going to start pissing me off thinking about how dumb these fucking people are. Uh, let's see what do we have uh, to talk about. So, oh, okay, perfect. So, uh, I mean, this came out a little while ago, but I just haven't talked about it yet. The Martha Stewart Sports Illustrated cover. Oh my God! Look, I don't know. I mean, I can't be alone in this, but Martha Stewart is so goddamn hot. And she's like 80 something. I think I think she's like 82 years. How fucking how old is Martha Stewart? Let's find out for sure, because I'm damn near 100 percent sure that she's in her 80s. 81. This bitch is 81 years old and still looks like that, man. Now, granted, you know. From the waist down, (laughs) it's probably like, you know, rubbing your dick up against a dried out squash, but yeah, waist up things are looking, you know, things are looking pretty good. Um, so good on you sports illustrated for finally taking off chicks that look like me, (laughs) finally putting somebody on there with a, you know, some hotness. Um, what else is going on? Oh yeah. So Al Pacino, (laughs) Al Pacino, age 83 is having another kid. Boy, 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 boy. I did like, oh, and by the way, this woman that he's having the kid with younger than me. So that's wild. Uh, there's no way this woman knew who Al Pacino was until somebody came up to her and said, Hey, just so you know, that guy is worth a lot of money. And she was like, oh, the guy, <laughs> the guy that's over there drooling on himself. <laughs> like, yeah, that guy, the little, uh, you know, four foot 11, like garden gnome that that motherfucker is a millionaire. So you might want to uh, let him you know, hunch over you for a night. <laughs> Man, hey, good on Al Pacino for being able to, you know still get some liquid out of there. My God, I would have thought it would <laughs> like, you know, whenever they're um, like when he comes, I would think it would be like whenever you're like, you know, clearing out like a uh, blackboard erasers, like just that chalk. Like that's what I, I imagine his climax to be like, but apparently not. Apparently dude still got some live ones in there. So. Chances are it was probably the last one, too. <laughs> yeah, he still had one little holdout from the uh, Tony Montana days that was, you know, <laughs> ready to get in there and do its job. But, you know, more power to you there, whole Al. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. So this came uh, across my feed and did not know it was going to turn into just me really questioning like the fate of mankind. Uh, So it says, which piece of bacon is cooked to perfection? One through six. If you don't say four, then you are a goddamn psychopath. I saw so many people saying like six, which if you say six, you might as well like light a piece of cardboard on fire wait for it to turn black, and then munch on that with some goddamn scramby eggs. The amount of people that said two, 
<laughs> which I didn't see any ones. Thank God. But the amount of people that said two was staggering. If you said two, how did you not die within 48 hours? I, you know, obviously I'm no doctor. I just play one on TV. Um, I thought eating raw pork is like basically it's like, you know, eating a cyanide capsule. <laughs> that is what I've been led to believe my entire life. If you can eat raw pork, I will be doing it from now on. Um, But I, yeah, I was under the impression that shit had to be, you know, perfectly cooked. Um, Yeah, there was a, quite a few people saying that they eat it at a level two, which God damn, you know, I, the amount of toxic shit that I've put into my gullet over the, you know, past nearly three decades, I would think that I would be able to handle any level of meat. Uh, don't think that's the case, though. So the fact that there are people out there who are eating that and living, man, I, uh, I'm i much weaker than I thought I was. We'll just say that. But yeah. All right. Next one. Da, 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 da. Okay. Oh, that's a good one. So, greatest basketball movie of all time. You got Space Jam, Coach Carter, uh, White Men Can't Jump, Like Mike, Hoosiers, and He Got Game. Uh, there's only one answer to this. There's actually, okay, I could give two. He Got Game is a very good movie. Um, I It's one of those movies that I watch damn near any time that I see it on or, like, come across it on you know, whatever streaming service, I'm like, oh, fuck, I haven't seen that movie in a while. And I watch He Got Game and immediately be fucking depressed. It is not <laughs> it is not a feel-good movie by any stretch of the imagination. But boy, when Denzel fucking puts that ta-da right in that guy's throat, oh, uh, that's when, yeah, I get fucking turn up. Now, the whole hour of the movie where it's Denzel hanging out with some junkie, which I think is Mila Jovovich, uh, they could erase that shit from the TV edits, but man, they could just show him just cracking that fucker in the throat um, on repeat. Man, God, he got game is such a good movie. All hell, Jesus Shuttlesworth. But all this being said, the answer is Space Jam. There is no better basketball movie than Space Jam. Although I did watch Hoosiers for the first time a couple weeks ago. Very good movie. It's just one of those movies that like, Obviously, I've known about my entire life, but just for some reason, never watched it. And then I saw it and I was like, man, I'm going to I'm fucking finally going to watch Hoosiers. Yeah, very good movie. But Space Jam all the way. Not the now as much as, you know, as much as LeBron James tried to tarnish the legacy of Space Jam by doing his bullshit, you know, LeBron suck fest. Uh, no, you you can't fucking touch the real deal Space Jam. Boy, that LeBron one was so bad. I can't believe that is that that happened. Like there are some movies that come out and you're just like, how in the fuck? Like why, why is the world the way it is? <laughs> like LeBron James is not Michael Jordan. Sorry, there. Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time. I, I have mentioned this so many fucking times. I'm starting to feel like goddamn. Who is always talking about like Stephen A. Smith and Skip? I'm starting to feel like one of those dickheads. Whatever. Michael Jordan is the 
He's the greatest basketball player of all time. He is also a massive asshole. I am perfectly okay with that. I I don't understand the feeling that like athletes have to be role models. It's like the athletes I loved the most growing up were probably not great role models. <laughs> like I was way more into Dennis Rodman. Um, shit. Who, who was one that was like just kind of sca- I mean, Kevin Garnett was a little rough, but not like anything too crazy, but like, I wouldn't say Kevin Garnett was necessarily like a great role model for like a five-year-old or a six-year-old. Um, but like Rodman, Garnett, like those dudes, I mean, shit, even Kobe was a bit of an asshole. And, you know, I mean, I know you can't say a goddamn word about Kobe Bryant because he's dead, but the dude wasn't necessarily like a nice guy. <laughs> like the Mamba mentality is basically just a euphemism for, oh, this guy's a prick. But I want, like, I would much rather be on a team with Kobe Bryant being an asshole that be on a team with fucking LeBron James and having to deal with his like inspiration bullshit. Like get the hell out of here. Give me Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan does it right. Doesn't say a damn word (laughs) retires and is just gone from existence. That's, that's really the way to do it. But like you're telling me that as a kid, I'm supposed to idolize LeBron James over. I mean, I can't, it's not happening. Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player of all time. I want somebody who's an asshole. Michael Jordan cheats. Like, he he got caught cheating playing cards against his grandmother. That's the guy you want on your team. That's who you want. You don't want a guy going to give lectures. You don't want a guy, like, talking about, you know, that I couldn't have done this without Jesus. No, you want a guy saying, like, I am Jesus. <laughs> like, like, who is your God now? Me, bitch. That's Michael Jordan. LeBron James, you know, and everybody said, like does, tries to pull that bullshit of like, well, you know, if Michael was in the league now, he wouldn't have a fucking chance. Bullshit. There, LeBron James would not have had a chance in 90s NBA. The, the way, the amount of pussiness that is <laughs> within LeBron James could not have handled an elbow from goddamn Bill Lambeer. Not happening. Um. Michael would come into today's NBA and be the greatest player. The argument should be settled by the fact that LeBron James isn't even the greatest player in today's NBA, let alone the history of the entire NBA. LeBron James is not even in a top 10. He, no, 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 no. Like, I would argue that throughout his career, he has never been, in a singular season, the best player in the NBA in his entire career. All 20 fucking years. I would argue he has never been the best player in the league any of those years. It always would go to Kobe, uh, shit, and then starting to get into like Steph Curry, Dwayne, or Dwayne Wade, Steph Curry, fuck even Kawhi Leonard, maybe, uh, Giannis, Jokic now. Like, no. There's shit, there's some years where fucking Russell Westbrook. Might have, might have even been better than LeBron. I now, man, there is not a chance that he's the best of all time. So that being said, Space Jam, without a doubt, the better movie. Um, 
So let's see. Let's go through a couple more, see what we got going on. Um, oh, here we go. This is a good one. So might as well talk about food again. <laughs> I mean, that is, it's honestly probably my favorite thing to talk about is food. So let's just uh, go ahead. And so this one is one has to go. Which one are you giving up? There's a burger, pizza, wings, wait, burger, pizza, fried chicken, wings, French fries, tacos, steak, hot dog, mac and cheese. Uh, very easy. Fucking hot dog. <laughs> like if you say anything other than hot dog, you're four years old <laughs> and still have to have your hot dog cut into little pieces. So you don't choke, which actually because of that, hot dogs are the most dangerous food on the planet. Uh, more people die from eating hot dogs than any other food. So, yeah, there's one reason it needs to go. It's a fucking mass murderer. Uh, I mean, the burger is number one for sure. Like hamburger burgers are my, that burger right there. That could be human semen coming out of it. And I would still eat. I mean, I would every fucking drop uh, fried chicken, take it or leave it steak. I don't really give too much of a shit about steak. Those tacos don't really look anything special. Really, the, I mean, a bur burger and wings, like those wings, god damn, that, looks, that makes my fucking dick, you know, twitch a little bit. Um, yeah. So if you have any uh, difference of opinion, you know, go ahead and send it this way. But, you know, but hot dogs, there's no way hot dogs are winning this. Hot dogs are fucking bullshit. Although usually, like, I do try to make people uncomfortable when I eat hot dogs because I set it on the table like this and go, <laughs> no, I don't. But anyways, um, <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Shouldn't have done that. Um, but yeah, hot dogs are fucking garbage. Um, let's see what else we got here. Um, oh, this is a, this is a nice story right here. A little feel good. So, da, 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 da. so Fred Taylor, who was 101 years old, was deployed during World War II and thus unable to attend his college graduation. But recently, with the help of his daughter, he finally got the chance. Um, <laughs> boy, I, let me tell you something. If I was, first of all, there's no chance I am making it to 101. No way. If I did. I am not spending a second attending a college graduation. <laughs> I mean, I graduated college and did not go to the graduation. My high school graduation, which basically you're forced to go. I was so fucking hammered drunk. I barely even remember it. I There's like a couple pictures of me there. So I know I was there, but yeah, it was basically during a blackout. And. Yeah, so this motherfucker went, attended his graduation, and probably died in the parking lot. So, <laughs> good job, Fred. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, and let's see if there's anything else that I wanted to talk about. Oh, here's, okay, here's, this would be good. So, it's, um, who is better? Adam Sandler or Jim Carrey, man, that is, that is the debate for the ages. So let's, okay. 
So Sandler. Actually, let's let's figure out which one deserves to be there. I'm not going to write down. So Sandler. Best movie to me, Little Nicky, which I know probably a controversial opinion, but we have Little Nicky, Big Daddy, Billy Madison. I'm thinking of the ones that I like the most. Let me do top five versus top five. So top five, Adam Sandler, Little Nicky, Big Daddy, Billy Madison, Waterboy. See, people would think Happy Gilmore, but I don't think Happy Gilmore is that great. So we'll go. That's my boy. <laughs> Another one people probably don't expect, but man, Donnie Berger is it's one of the greatest characters of all time. So there's Sandler's five. Let's see Jim Jim Carrey's five. Me, myself, and Irene. Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Ace Ventura, When Nature Calls. Um. Ooh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, man, because it's funnier, not necessarily who's better. Because if it was just overall who's better, then it 100% goes to Jim Carrey because of The Truman Show and Man on the Moon. But Adam Sandler does have Punch Drunk Love and Nuncut Gems, which are also great dramatic performances. Spanglish isn't even that bad either. What's Jim Carrey's like funniest movies? Me, Myself, and Irene, both Ace Venturas. I mean... Liar, liar is okay. Bruce Almighty. Man, I think I actually give this to Adam Sandler. Did not think I was going to say this, or according to this, Adam Sadler. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy. But yeah, well, good job, Sandman. So there's that. Uh, you know, if you feel differently about it, then I don't know. Leave a comment. <laughs> Tell me I suck. Yeah. You'll you'll fit right in with all the others. Uh, so let's move on. Tell some interesting stories that I got lined up for us. So first one involves, I mean, a fucking legend, Johnny Cash. So Johnny Cash, in my mind, the first true rock star. I mean, obviously Elvis, massive star, and then you have Little Rich, you know, Little Richard, Chuck Berry, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. To me, Johnny Cash is the first like dude that was just like legitimate rock and roll, not pop. Like didn't have pop, blue soul. Like I mean, yeah, there's a country, but but whatever. Johnny Cash, first rock star to me. So Johnny Cash had a wild life, which if you, I mean, just watch the Walk the Line, and you'll see, dude was a massive pill head. I mean, <laughs> doing enough amphetamines to kill a fucking horse on a daily basis and manage to make it out of that. Um, Yeah, I mean, Johnny Cash is absolutely a fucking legend. Also, crazy fact about Johnny Cash. When he was in the military, he was a phone operator and or a radio operator. And as a radio operator he was the first American to learn of the death of Joseph Stalin. Pretty fascinating. Um, but then, you know, Lee's military has a big sex, successful career. The story that I'm going to talk about is quite a bit after that, actually in the eighties. So in 1981, Johnny Cash was living on a ranch on said ranch. He had ostriches, AKA the most terrifying animals on the planet. 
Uh, yeah, ostriches are scary as shit. Actual dinosaurs, not the bullshit people when they see chickens are like, oh, it's like a velociraptor. No, it isn't. Ostriches, on the other hand, oh, yes, <laughs> like an ostrich will fuck you up as we are about to learn. So Johnny Cash in 1981 is on his uh, ranch. He is trying to corral the ostriches because there's about to be a pretty bad storm. He's getting them all except for one of them that's just being a real motherfucker. And he's trying to find it. He's like, where in the fuck is this ostrich? Here's something behind him. Turns around. Ostrich is standing there, fucking wings up, neck bent, like ready to fuck Johnny Cash up. Johnny Cash grabs a big ass stick and is like, oh, come on, brother. And cracks this ostrich. Hard as he can. Ostrich doesn't even flinch. Turns. Basically, Chuck Norris, Walker, Texas Ranger, roundhouse kicks him right into the fucking gut. Like, right into the gut. So, Johnny Cash, standing there after hitting this thing with a stick, takes a fucking big-ass talon right down his uh, abdomen. Obviously, feels something warm and is like, "Uh uh-oh. Looks down. And it's basically his insides are on his outsides being held in by Johnny Cash himself. (laughs) And also in this kick gets three of his ribs broken, which I mean, if you ever had a broken rib, if I ever have another broken rib, I'm going to put one right in my goddamn temple. It is excruciatingly painful. But Johnny Cash gets three broken ribs, also has his insides outside and goes to the hospital they, you know, sew him back up wherever. Doctor says that had he not have been wearing this giant fucking belt buckle, that that talon would have went a little bit further down and got him to the point where he could not have kept things in and his entire gut system would have just fallen out onto the dirt and he would have been DOA. <laughs> oh my God. Um, So, yeah, Johnny Cash is a fucking badass. Held his own guts in, partially by hand, partially by big-ass, some bitch belt buckle. Hell, yeah. Next story involves a childhood hero of mine, Frederick Durst. (laughs) So, and actually two childhood heroes, Frederick Durst and another guy who I'll mention shortly. So Fred Durst, obviously, from man, Limp Bizkit. Yeah, at some point during, I believe, like the mid-2000s, early 2000s, they are kind of like seeking to audition guitarists. And at Fred Durst's home in Beverly Hills, he set up basically like a jam session to, you know, jam with different guitarists. And one of the people who agrees to come to this jam is Eddie Van Halen. Which, (laughs) I mean, that's not the name you would think you would hear. But yeah, Eddie Van Halen goes to do a jam session with Fred Durst and the rest of the fellows in Limp Bizkit. And this is at a point where Eddie Van Halen was kind of getting a little odd. Just say that. Um, When he's there, he brings his guitar, his gear, amp, you know, stack. Fred Durst and the fellas start getting high and Eddie Van Halen apparently was not a fan of it. (laughs) Although according to anything you read about Eddie Van Halen, 
uh, he seemed to be quite the fan of pretty much anything mind-altering, especially alcohol. But for some reason, on this day, he was not having it. Just got pissed off and said, fuck you guys, I'm out of here. And just walked out, leaving everything behind. His guitar, stack, everything. Goes home, drives you know down the street, his house. is like, oh, fuck, I left my guitar. So he starts calling Fred Durst saying, like, like, motherfucker, I need my shit back. Fred Durst, because they're jamming, Fred Durst is not hearing that anyone's calling, so he's not answering. Ed Van Halen gets real pissed off about that and gets inside of his own personal tank, and yes, an actual tank, drives it down the street in Beverly Hills, drives it down the street, parks it in Fred Durst's front yard, gets out with a gun, walks over, knocks on the door. Fred Durst answers to (laughs) a fucking barrel of a gun up against his forehead. And Eddie Van Halen, you know, fucking smoking a cigarette saying, hey, motherfucker, I need my shit back. (laughs) And Fred Durst's like, yeah, okay. I mean, (laughs) like, we're not stealing your shit. And Eddie Van Halen, while keeping the gun pointed on him, makes Fred Durst and the dudes carry all of his shit back and load it into the tank. Then Eddie Van Halen basically just, you know, swings that some bitch around, holsters it, climbs back in the tank, drives uh, back home. And that's the end of the relationship between Eddie Van Halen and Fred Durst. (laughs) Boy. So last one involves old Jimbo here. And look, I mean, there are a million stories that, involved Jim Morrison and alcohol. This is just one that has a pretty interesting coincidence at the end. I mean, Jim Morrison was a massive boozer. I mean, you do not die at 27 years old from heart failure from alcohol without drinking an ungodly amount. And so Jim Morrison, I mean, was going through bottles of whiskey every single day, which it is kind of thought that he possibly died from a heroin overdose when he was in Paris at 27. Um, Nobody really knows for sure. But either way, the dude was drinking like a fucking fish. So one time, the Doors were on their way to a show. While they were on the way there, the fellas, um, not Jim Morrison, but the other three, uh, Ray Manzarek, Bobby Krieger and uh, John Densmore want to stop and get ice cream. (laughs) Jim Morrison says, we're fucking rock stars. We don't eat ice cream. That's actually what he said to them. They're like, "Mm, look, dude, I I've been wanting, I've had a hankering for Rocky road for the past two weeks. I'm getting some I'm getting a couple scoops and a waffle cone. Jim Morrison gets pissed off that they are eating ice cream. Like, weirdly pissed (laughs) about grown men eating ice cream and just starts downing whiskey, just like an, an insane amount of whiskey in a very short amount of time. So by the time they show up to the gig, he is blacked out, just completely blitzed out of his mind and can barely even walk, which, you know, if you are to dive into the world of Jim Morrison 
him being blacked out on stage is not a um, one-time occurrence. <laughs> like for for a good minute before he died, that motherfucker was just hammered twenty four seven. But this, but he could actually still perform. Like it, you know, he definitely kind of sounded like Michael J. Fox a little bit, but he could still perform. Jim Morrison on this night, it ain't happening. He won't even come out on stage. And and then he finally gets talked into coming out, goes out on stage and just sits crisscross applesauce and just starts saying a bunch of weird shit every once in a while, while the band is kind of trying to play. Um, I don't know exactly what he said, but probably shit about lizards and snakes in the desert um, and Indians. So he's doing this, and then Bobby, uh, Robbie Krieger, and uh, John Densmore are like, dude, we're fucking, we've, we're done, time to go. So they just get up and leave. They're like fuck, fuck, even trying to finish the show. Old Jim Dog is fucking hammered out of his gourd. Like we're not. It ain't happening. They leave. Ray Manzarek is at least trying to get him to do something. Like he's trying to, you know, keep the show going. And Jim Morrison's just sitting there, Indian style, just, you know, oh, you're doing whatever the fuck Jim Morrison does. Um, you know, singing about, you know, dead Native Americans and just, you know, magic buses and uh, scales, all kinds of weird shit that Jim Morrison does then finally Ray Manzarek just picks the dude up carries him off the stage and is like alright that's it so they leave the crowd is not very pleased about this <laughs> which I mean they've paid a whole five dollars you know in 1967 68 whenever this was um, you know they've paid a whole five dollars to go see the doors and you know don't feel as though they've got their money's worth. So they are pissed. Everyone in this um, venue just ready to fucking riot, except for one person. There's a young fella sitting in the front row, a fella by the name of Jim Osterberg, which probably don't know that name. I'm sure that you are not familiar with the name Jim Osterberg. Maybe you are, but probably not. Jim Osterberg is mesmerized by a guy coming out on stage and basically just being the anti-showman and just doing whatever the fuck he wanted, just being out of control. And he thinks it's fucking great. Jim Osterberg has already started a band and he decides that he wants to kind of emulate what he saw that night throughout his career. Jim Osterberg has a group called the Stooges. Jim Osterberg changes his name from Jim Osterberg to Iggy Pop. And that is why Iggy Pop became the fucking maniac that, you know, he has been for goddamn over over 50 years. So, yeah. Fascinating story. Fascinating connection between, you know, two legends that you really don't imagine their lives overlapping, but they did for for one night so well that's all we got until next time goodbye